Okay, welcome to our first episode of my podcast, etc. I called it etc. because everyone's like, oh, etc. is in etc. And I was like, I'm going to make this a thing. Um, I'm joined here by Kirsty Farley. Kirsty Louise Farley. Hello. Um, I'm just going to read her bio here. Um, Kirsty Louise Farley is a writer, poet and editor born and raised in Margate. Her work can be found on the Thanet Writers website in the Thanet Poetry Journal, on her Instagram at klfwriter, and more recently, Kirsty has had a short story published by Thanet Writers in their first anthology, Shoal. She is the poetry editor for Thanet Writers. Previously, she has edited the second edition of the Thanet Poetry Journal, as well as headlining at the Dead Island Poetry Society in Margate and reading at the Turner Contemporary. Inspired by the surrealism of artists like Noel Fielding, the romanticism of writers like Lord Byron, and the harsh reality of writers like Wilfred Owen, her work explores themes of mental health, relationships, nature, and the macabre. Okay. I never thought I'd have a bio that was like just over a minute long. I know, it's a really full bio, and it really reflects your work over, like, I guess we've been doing this for like four or five years now. How long have we been doing this? Yeah, about that. I feel like I've always, um, I always used to dabble back in the day. Yeah, I was a dabbler. Yeah, always too scared to read anything. And then one day I just, yeah, I think it must have been about five years ago now. Just did it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Do you miss live gigs? Yes, I really miss them. I miss the, the feeling that you get when you're in a room full of people who are relating over something like the maybe in different ways or or whatever or maybe in similar ways but who are connecting over like a piece of art yeah live in front of you I really miss that it's a completely unique feeling isn't it mm. um do you remember uh, obviously obviously not naming names or or locations or anything um I mean we yeah. could even say this is an imaginary story but do you remember when we went to a gig together and <laughs> you were like I have no idea what the reader is talking about. And I was like, me too. Oh God, I don't know if I do remember. When, how long ago was it? Oh, it's going back like two or three years. I'll message you about it. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my memory's like? I probably will remember as soon as you message me. Were yeah, we at a place? Were we at a place that was, um, that's quite a popular place? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I think I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know, I know what you're on about uh, um so you're a teacher um how do you find uh how do you find it engaging young people in literature and poetry specifically um I think it's quite difficult actually mm. um in general I would say it's difficult you get the odd young person who really loves literature and understands or connects with poetry in some way but it seems, in my experience from teaching, it seems that a lot of students or a lot of people have an attitude towards poetry in that they don't understand it or, oh, I don't get poetry. Even some other English teachers have admitted to me that they don't feel confident teaching it because they don't really understand it or something like that. Or, or, the, or I think they're insecure about how they possibly could interpret it which I find quite interesting. So it is a challenge, but a lot of the time I say to people, if you just look at each poem as a story, it kind of becomes more 
simple and also people seem to forget to realize or fail to realize or I, I guess that it's just not spoken about that you can interpret poetry in any way that you like and that's fine and and it, it, as long as you're like feeling something then you, you've you've done poetry so to speak that's it yeah it really isn't I don't know if it's just me being dense or me just being like pig-headed about things but it really isn't any more or less than you want it to be like you can read a poem and you can just go oh that was nice like one line made me feel good and that's it that can just be your experience with it yeah. it could, um, or it could even be two words that you like the sound of and that's, that's enough. it yeah that's it um how do you find your editing role at Thanet Writers at the moment um and what is your editing style um yeah I find it really enjoyable because I get to edit poetry and I've edited other areas of the publishing house in the past, but poetry is really my favorite. So that's cool. Um, and I think with my editing style, I like to try to interpret the style of the writer that I'm editing for. So I'll read it a couple of times and then try to work with what I think they're trying to do. Um, I don't like to change things too much. If I feel that it's kind of becoming my own thing. I'll, I'll, I'll probably won't publish it because then, then, then I'll come to realise that it's, it needs too much editing and it should probably be redrafted. That is the perfect way of putting it. That's exactly it. If you need to change it that much, it needs to go back to the author. Yeah. So um, yeah, just um, just try to like I don't know. Do the do very little without doing nothing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. Just a light touch. Um, what was your first time that you just picked up a pen to write a poem? And why was that? Um, I think it was when I was probably about seven. And I don't really know why I did it. But I used to listen to a lot of rap music. And when I was a child, I was a very sad, emotional child I had, like it was all going on even back then for me so I had I, at that young age I had that feeling like there's all these feelings inside me and all these words and thoughts and stuff so because I had listened to the music or I was around that sort of music that was very expressive vocally it just pushed me to go oh, I'm gonna write stuff down and then it went from there <clears throat> so I've always written um just never no, sorry, not never, but not always in the public eye or putting myself out there sort of thing. Mm, yeah, I felt like I was always writing as well, but it took a long time to realise that people actually read poems out loud in the modern yeah. day. Um, yeah, yeah um, you mentioned rap music. Um, do you find it to be a really uh, motivational thing? I find it to be really uplifting and motivational. Yeah, I do. Um, I think rap music is incredible really um what, what you can do with words and music put together I just think it's quite astonishing um and the way rap music has developed over the last say 15 years um is also very interesting and I think a lot of people say that it's not like rap music isn't what it once was but I think there are still artists who are amazing with what they do with words and syntax and things like that it's really a time where people, um, you know, us and, you know, bigger artists, musicians can really take control of our own image and um, our own style and our own production 
online and just put it out there, which is really different from how things were in the past. I don't know what you think of that. Yeah, I think it's really powerful because younger artists, they don't have to, like my impression of artists from say 15 years ago is that you have to work as hard as you can. And if you're lucky, someone will notice you. But I think with social media, um, <clears throat> artists, are, they just have that, that power to reach people on their own accord and how they want to. And then it's kind of up to the people how much they're received, I suppose, which is something quite unique. Mm. Um, we've spoken before about you being someone that has quite a um, strong work ethic and you know in many ways you're quite disciplined in your writing and um, you know in your own life and um, how do you think that helps your writing and helps your creativity? Um, I think with my creativity it's it's it always feels quite sporadic itself but then when it when it develops I don't just write something and then it's done I, mm. I always know that it's going to be at least three drafts because if I push myself yeah I'll end up with a better result so I think that's how like when when I've got something on the go I'm like right come on do the next one let's go yeah that's it um did you want to read uh, maybe one or two poems for us yeah, what, what did you want? I've got some poems from other people and some of my own as well. Um, if you read some of your own and then maybe we'll have a bit more of a chat and then read some from some other people. Okay, that's cool. Um, oh, cool. Right, so the first one I'm going to read is called Yellow Wallpaper. And this was inspired by the Yellow Wallpaper by love Charlotte. Love that, yeah, love that. Gilman, yeah. Um, so... Here goes, yellow wallpaper. I remember the smell of my mother's fingers after she quit smoking. I miss the way she wore the yellow stains like wallpaper covering cracks on ancient walls that had started to peel away in elegance and desperation. They crumbled in pain and I saw your eyes as his were heaving and ached. So we decorated ourselves with yellow wallpaper in pieces we fell away like him in the suffocating summer heat as limbs were dragged like lambs from walls where the wallpaper was stained and new life waited for its day in the sun. Then. <laughs> wow, that first line is so powerful. Oh, thank you. I love that. Um, did you have some more? Maybe one or, one or two more? Yeah. Um, so I've got this other one called Stardust which um, I wrote a long time ago. It was in one of, the, one of the Fanet poetry journals, but I don't really remember writing it. Uh, so I, th I found it over the last few days and it, it's been kind of interesting trying to remember why I wrote it, but I, I, I'm still not there yet. So it's called Stardust. You go to sleep to end up naked because that's the only way you know how, only to wake up and layer it all away with everything they told you to wear. But sweetness, I urge you to fight. Fight against the fierceness in their bite. They must shine like the star that you are on the black, blue, velvet veil. The one I see burning, the one with your name on it. I always see you and I always will until that unfortunate day that you fall from grand actuality into dust, leaving me with just one wish and the lingering sensation of your most tender kiss. 
So that was Stardust. And then I have one that's actually written on paper called The House, which I wrote when I was first at Gordon House doing a residency. So The House. She is a willow planted in a beautiful shipwreck salvaged by lions. In a hollow wood, smuggled Bibles disturb a hue of dust as the fever of religion wages its sin on the death of man. 80s wallpaper wilts and folds into caves where gentlemen dissipate scarlet women wrapped in ocean magic. As she breathes wisdom and gives life to oppressive oak that shadows past footprints of ragged school children left underneath the vicar's thumb, we heave at the thought of young blue eyes smiling for a final time. As I roam through hallways that confuse themselves into bedrooms, I see her face and she is smiling and she tells me in her fragile frame that everyone is home here. Wow, I love that. I love the beginning. I mean, I loved all of it, but I love the beginning and the ending. I just found all three poems had such powerful beginnings. Oh, wow, thank you. Uh, yeah, oh, I thought they were really yeah. stunning. Um, what was I going to say? Um, so how do you approach writing them? Do you get a phrase or do you get a first line? How does it work? I think that's what... Um... That's what I was going to lead on to, actually. I think what, where my poems begin is I'll think of a line or a phrase and then it will sort of grow around that one particular line or phrase. And normally it will be like I'll jot it down or put it in my notes on my phone and then I'll go back to it a couple of days later. Sometimes I'll write down more than that and it'll be like I'm writing a whole poem at once, but whatever I do start with, it's kind of like a springboard and that it's something I'll always go back to and develop. Yeah, um, notes on the phone is such an iconic little space, isn't it? Everyone's got, yes. I've got that as well. Um, do you think that um, you need to be in a particular mood to write? I, I only asked you because I remember you, maybe you said to me a while ago something like sadness helps you. Mm. Yeah, that, um, that's something I've been thinking about recently, actually, because I've been part of this... Um, workshop like a well-being workshop for creative people oh that's really good and it's sort of challenging the idea of the tortured depressed creative uh, which is really interesting and I do feel like that or I have done in the past but there have also been times when I've written when I'm really happy so for me I think it's just from extreme emotion or when I feel quite passionately about something or towards something hmm. yeah um uh, would you say that you're quite a um like a passionate person does that yeah. feed into your yeah. work yeah yeah I think, yeah and, and poetry is all about passion really isn't it yeah I think so and I think that's maybe the difference between people who write stories and people who write mm. poems that's not such a good observation people, yeah yeah not that they're not passionate like people who write stories like novelists I'm sure they are but I feel if you are more inclined to write poems, you get those real bursts of intense emotion. That's kind of like what a poem is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, who are some of your favourite poets? I know you've got um, you've got more um, classic uh, classic influences, or or am I wrong in saying that? No, yeah, definitely more classic influences. Um, I love like Oscar Wilde, Edgar Allan Poe. 
I love the romantics, like Byron, Keats, Wordsworth, all of all of that lot, Shelley. Um, and I think that just comes from studying literature in school and going from there and then studying English literature at university. And I know that like literature is so diverse, but for me, I've just, that's where the love began. And so I've sort of stuck with those poets a lot along the way. So I could go back to them a lot. Yeah, I, I always don't, I don't want to ever sound snobby, but I feel like some veins of contemporary poetry just don't appreciate the classics enough. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it just nags at me. Yeah, they definitely have their merit. Like there's a lot, I think there's like a, an urge to reject classic things to these days because of this, the context of them in the, it's a lot of dead white guys, which makes sense, but they still definitely were quite groundbreaking at the time. And they were doing things that was absolutely kind of scandalous really. And they paved the way for a lot of stuff. So, yeah. And I just think if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And I always find that you can't ever, I might, I might read my favourite book once or twice, but I'm probably not going to read it a hundred times. But if I have a favourite poetry collection, I might read that, you know, a hundred times in my lifetime or maybe even more. So it's like something about poetry is like, it's never done, it's never finished. Yeah, you can always go back to it and get something different from the same poem. Mm, it's almost like a song, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I suppose that, yeah, that totally makes sense because I suppose that's where music started in poetry and things like that. Yeah, um, what would you say to a, a young person entering the poetry scene now? Mm, I would say just focus on the writing, focus on sharing the art. If opportunities come your way, obviously take them, but keep it professional that's what I would say <laughs> oh yeah yeah absolutely like I, I would be like do not deviate from the professional like <laughs> yeah see it as a, no one's your friend like <laughs> no. see it as a job that you go to do that you just don't get paid for basically. yeah yeah that's it yeah I I really shudder to think of an 18 year old a 17 year old entering into this world of um, local and national performance poetry and just um, just by chance meeting the wrong influences or, or whatever, something going wrong along the way and just thinking, I'm never going to do this again. That's so sad because it, it yeah. doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, I think it depends on the person you are. If you're very empathic, you've got to watch out for those narcissists, haven't you? Yeah, they're uh, everywhere. They, God damn it. Yeah, they are literally <laughs> everywhere, but especially yeah. in, the, in the creative spheres, I think, because it attracts that, that spectrum of personality, doesn't it? Either empathic or narcissist, because it's like, I've just got all these feelings to share, or, oh, look at me, I'm really important. That's yeah. basically the That's two it. kind of artists you get. <laughs> the thing with narcissism, narcissism is that it's actually quite serious and like damaging um mm. personality disorder and you'd think that I don't know I had this idea that something like that might be rare but it's disturbingly common yeah it's very strange mm. I um 
I think it might be something to do with capitalism. Oh, okay, but, that's interesting. What what makes you say that? Well, in the to, in today's society, through media and the way we're sort of urged to live, is very individualistic, and it's like look out for yourself, mm, put yourself first. If you much, yeah. do this, do that sort of thing, which is obviously fine to an extent. Um, but I just feel that like the mass media and the push for consumerism has perpetuated this individualism in people. And it's like numbed a lot of empathy in society and that, you know, communities have broken down, things like that. And I think in a lot of places they're starting to come back, but for a long time, it was as though as capitalism moved forward, we had to move away from community and, empathy and being there for each other yeah I've noticed a lot of um community breakdown and it's really sad I suppose you know now that now that I'm an adult I I think like how can I contribute to my community and, and that's through arts and poetry and campaigning and things like that which I do I do try and do what I can um did you want to um read some um some poems that you like by other people yes um I've got one by a poet called Keaton Henson. Do you know? Do you know him at all? No, I don't know. Um, I've only just recently come across his work, so I don't really know loads about him. But he's quite—he's more modern than the other stuff I read. But I really like—I really like what I've found recently. So this one's called "Do They Dance Him." Selfless lovers may stare at clouds and whisper prose in soft, clean ears, but I selfish itch and dream and hear of you and I dancing in duvets, my dear. Listen, white rabbit, Brooklyn bound, care, care less, come care for me, I live restless for thee, come, let's be normal, I'll make tea. I lay still sick, ill of chairs, restless is as restless seems, limbs frenetic, swarms of bees, unable to finish movies. Longing for you in longer hours, knowing you still live in daylight, Preemptively, I sit and write all of all our duvet dancing nights. Oh, wow. That was so lovely. And it's got a, a structure to it as well. Yeah, and it, it rhymes. Um, so it's like an A-B structure. Yeah. Kind of, I don't really know, I haven't looked at it properly. But yeah, it's kind of um, sad and romantic, I, I feel. Yeah. So I like it. Do you want to hear, do you want to hear another one? Please, yeah. Okay, so I've got, so when I was doing this, I realised that they're all male poets. But then I was like, well, that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's not a problem, I think. I, I don't, don't think, when, yeah. you know, when you're trying to be like, yeah <laughs> I know I'm not like I don't find myself going like oh I'm I'm only gonna read I don't know <laughs> anyway I'll let you carry yeah, I didn't mean to do it, and then I just thought I just overthought it too much and I was like but but it's just the way it is it is you you like the phones you know yeah um right so this one's by Oscar Wilde it's called Re Requiscat Tread lightly, she is near under the snow. Speak gently, she can hear the daisies grow. All her bright golden hair tarnished with rust. She that was young and fair, fallen to dust. 
lily-like, white as snow, she hardly knew she was a woman, so sweetly she grew. Coffin board, heavy stone, lie on her breast, I vex my heart alone, she is at rest. Peace, peace, she cannot hear, lyre or sonnet, all my life's buried here, heap earth upon it. Oh, brilliant, fantastic. Oscar Wilde's brilliant, yeah, isn't he? He's an amazing man. He, yeah, he was yeah, an amazing yeah. man, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and uh, what do you like about um, living in Thanet, if anything, and does the place influence you? Um, I find Thanet a very strange place. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've, like, I was born here, but I've always, it's, it's just, it's got loads of beautiful nature, and that's amazing. And I love being so close to the coast. But there's a lot of, um, there's a thing about Fanet that I read ages ago that said that because so many people were buried here during the plague, um, it's got this like weird energy about it that causes, mm. it's like when you're in Fanet, you're somewhere else. And, and obviously this is just- Oh, weird wow. Do you know what? That's so weird that you would say that because I've always felt that, like when I was living in Faversham and I'd come down here to do like gigs and stuff, it wasn't even that it was particularly distant or I didn't get out much or anything, but I just felt like quite distinctly that I was somewhere else and it was detached mm. and it was its own world. And yeah, and of course it used to be an isle, so like the Isle of Wight. Um, but then with that, like I was, it was I don't know what I was reading, it was ages ago and it was just like this weird out there theory they said because like so many people were buried here it's like a lot of like weird energy about the place and it's and it, it's it called it like a circle of something but I can't remember what oh wow that's crazy. I found that really interesting and I do feel that there's a lot of history in Thanet but a lot of it goes unnoticed um and there's a lot of dark things that have happened like a long time ago and things like that mm, yeah. that's very true and what do you think of you know um do you think there's a gentrification issue in Thanet? Is that bad? Is that good? Is that neutral? Um, well, when, <laughs> I do think there's a gentrification. I'm coming out with the big question. So. <laughs> well, it's just funny because when the gentrification started happening in Margate, mm. I feel like it was slowly happening for ages and then it kind of burst. Mm. But every time I'd sort of maybe had some cocktails um, or a few drinks, I just wouldn't be very happy about the gentrification and I would start ranting about it. But over time, over time, I've come to see the positives of it, but I still think it does, it creates a huge gap between the poor people who already live here and the rich people who are coming here. And then the more middle-class people here who can maybe join in, mm. it just creates a bigger gap between like the rich and the poor. And I think there needs to be some sort of responsibility on those who move to poorer areas who are like rich or something. And I don't know what, like, it's just an idea, but I'm like, they need to be responsible somehow. Like maybe there's something they should have to do to put back into the community. I'm not sure. I love that idea. Yeah. And yeah. like you say, maybe there isn't something we can put in law, but I think everyone should have community responsibility. Everyone should want to, you know, make their environment better and um, when I moved to Faversham um I moved to an estate in Faversham which um was actually quite pleasant compared to the estates that I'd seen in, in Brighton um 
uh, it was called Brown Town. Uh, every, you know, it was just drugs, crime, yeah. you know, the, the, the usual stuff. And now it's like farmers market, Scottish core, um, you know, mummies, yummy mummies. Yeah. And, you know, don't walk on my lawn and this kind of stuff. Um, uh, when we um, moved to Ramsgate, the estate agent said, um, you know, you can work on your house if you want, but I'm um, just letting you know that, uh, you know, the value is capped at a certain limit because, because, you know, it's, it's that, it's Ramsgate. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like <laughs> no worries um <laughs> that's so funny um yeah uh just finally um are there any local poets that you would recommend um do you have any favorites uh i'd recommend you oh thank you <laughs> um i'd recommend seb riley yeah same same yeah connor sandsby he writes some bangers yeah, he's just an all-round good dude. Yeah, doing good stuff. I'd I'd recommend Penny Lane. Great writer. Yeah, she's a she's a, an absolute babe. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting loads of local writers now. But yeah, like you can't think of a single local writer. Like whenever I, I know no one. Um, but they're they're the main people who come to mind, and I think that's probably because I've worked with them quite a lot, and I, mm. I know their stuff more than others i suppose mm, yeah well that's yeah. fair enough um thank you so much for joining us this evening i really enjoyed it um hopefully i won't have any technical difficulties and i'll actually be able to put this up but yeah. have a good evening and i will chat to you later okay thank you it's been absolutely a pleasure and i've had an absolute fun time so thank you very much thanks a lot see you later Bye. bye